Mystical Journeys. I am Katie Valentine. I'm your resident intuitive and Christian minister and New Testament scholar. And joining me as always are Andrea St. Amand and Amy Krauss. I'll let them introduce themselves. Andrea here. I'm an evidential psychic medium. And I am Amy Renee, and I am a practitioner of shamanic art. Awesome. So now you've got our voices in your minds. You've got a minister, a shaman, and a psychic medium. And we're all here to talk about um, this, this messy incarnated life that we're in and how we encounter angelic and other enlightened beings to help us along the way. We are ready to talk about our and being of the week, and that is Metatron. This is a great companion piece to last week's episode. So if you haven't listened to that, as soon as this one finishes, go and listen to that one. You don't have to listen to them in any particular order. Last week, we talked about Sandalphon, and this week we're talking about Metatron, and we're talking about them kind of as a pair because they're known as angelic brothers. So Andrea is going to tell us why that's so. From my understanding, um, I, and I, we mentioned this last week that, you know, it was first my understanding that angels were these beings that had never been incarnated in a human body for an entire lifetime. But Sandalphon is one who has and also Metatron. So they're the two, only two angels in our lore or in stories that lived fully human lives from birth all the way through uh, a human incarnation and then later uh, were ascended and became these other beings. So energetically, they're similar in that they've got that human, that human connection. I always wanted to say human memories. They have real human memories, human connections. Cool. So they're not actual siblings. Brothers from another mother. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Brothers from different mothers, as we should say. No, they weren't actually siblings. And hopefully, Katie, you'll fill us in on that when we get to your part. I can't wait. It was so much fun to go down this research rabbit hole and refresh myself about <laughs> the incarnation of Metatron. So listeners, get ready because you're in for a little roller coaster. This is some big energy, at least the way I experience Metatron. So fasten your seatbelts for this, for this particular ride. And we're going to tell you a little bit about the origins of how we even came to do this. So Metatron is pretty directly responsible for the three of us even being mm -hmm. here and talking to you today. And so this all started when I, well, my experience of when this started really started with Amy was when I got a message from Amy. That was my first uh, inclination that we'd be doing this and said, hey, can we make time to talk? Metatron told me to get in touch with you, but I don't know why. Well, I am not one to um, say no to Metatron. So I said, yes, let's talk in like two days. <laughs> so we were able to talk and she, she had these messages that she's going to tell you about in just a moment. And I was able to tell her, of course, she didn't know. I had had an experience where Metatron had just kicked my booty. And so when Metatron speaks, I say, okay, I'm listening. <laughs> I know not to ignore that now at all. And yeah, so she'd been working with Metatron in the recent past. So Amy, tell us more. Yeah, thank you. So absolutely. Metatron is 100%, you know, a big part of this, this creation that's uh, forming, coming to life right now. So where do you even begin? You know, I am in, how do I want to put this? So I have said yes to a Magdalene Mystery School. And part of that was we had a daily practice that came to life. 
Well, Metatron, when that practice came to life, Metatron was the only being in there that was not feminine. That didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, why Metatron? Like, rest of them are like female goddess energy, right? And so I spoke up. I was like, it feels important to know who these beings are that we're working with that have like obviously shown up for us. And so we went through a little journey and there's six of us all together that to, to connect and see which guide, which one wanted to have us work with them and do a presentation on them. Well, Metatron is definitely who was showed up for me. And it's interesting because each of the other ladies had and an another one, like there was no two for one person. So it was okay. like they each were working with one of us. And so I knew right away, I was like, all right, I want to share like the new knowledge. Cause I knew that he had shown up in my life and was delivering messages in certain ways to me and through me. And I also knew that there was information out there that is from, you know, many other resources. So it's like, where, what do I share? And because Andrea had shared previously and connected with uh, Sandal Fawn, I reached out to, to her to see if she could help me. So I kind of feel like I want to pass it, pass it over to you for a moment. That way you can share your part of the story. And I, of course, unlike Katie, uh, when Amy asked, I didn't say no right away, but I said, oh, I'm busy. I'll get to him later. <laughs> like I have this delay, this resistance that comes up in me like, oh, I'll put the angels on hold because something in me kicks in that I just have some resistance, I guess. So hopefully that's through this podcast, we're going to get rid of that. But if that happens with other people, know that that's a, that's a thing. I will say too, what's interesting to me is I had never even heard the names Sandalphon or Metatron until. Amy approached me. Um, so I had no reference to these people. I think most people have heard of the more, let's say, popular angels like Michael. I'd never even heard of these two. So I was going on about my business and I went into a coffee shop and I had a journal and I was going to do a very specific, something I was going to write out that I needed to write for some marketing I was doing. And as I was there getting my little coffee ready and my notebook ready, it like clear as day, it's like the, the coffee shop went quiet. A man walked up, pulled out a chair, sat down in the chair next to me and started talking. And I was like, that's Metatron. I just knew. I was like, that's the energy of Metatron. And it felt very different to me than Sandalphon. I mean, he felt very, one, he felt very human, but he, I also knew he was bigger than like, a, let's say this, just a deceased, not just a deceased person, but mediumship, you know, an angel feels very different. Their beings feel very different than let's say your grandmother or somebody who's passed over. So I knew I just had to start writing down everything he was saying to me, uh, which I did. And um, should I share that now or should we share, I feel share a little bit? I will go ahead and share. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So this is, this is a direct channel message that Andrea received. Direct channel. Yeah. Yeah. And I was writing, writing. I couldn't like write fast enough. <laughs> the one thing I would say is that he was so clear. His, his instructions were clear. He came across as somebody who was like very logical, very nuts and bolts. Like, let's sit down and figure all this stuff out. Let's talk everything through. He seemed very wise in that A to B to C to D. I thought this is going to, this 
being as a great teacher. Like if someone could just sit down and teach you about the nuts and bolts of things. And he said, uh, what the part that I want to share is that he said, fear is the only pandemic. And he said, but do not discount fear. There's a lot of work, um, a lot of what we all talk about is fear. And we, of course, know that fear has a good place in our survival. But he said, there's more. It exists for a reason. Fear is actually an emotion that exists for a reason. It is a profound motivator. And so he said, use fear as it's almost like the key to unlocking a gate. So fear can like keep us safe for sure. Keep us from stepping in front of a bus or, you know, getting eaten by crocodiles, um, which is good. But it can also that sometimes a jolt of fear can really, we shouldn't run away from it. We shouldn't suppress it. We should use that jolt of energy and see what lies beneath it. What's going on underneath it? What is, uh, what's behind, use that fear as a key to unlock a gate into something deeper within yourself. And this is what I thought was so cool. This, cause he started talking about the way the human brain works. He said that sometimes the problem is that if we stick in fear and we either suppress it or we just react out of fear, it causes a chain reaction in our brain. And the chain reaction is we feel fear. Our brain goes dark and small almost like we shut down Uh, and then the brain reacts and we then as humans start taking action based on a chain reaction that leads us backwards into some spot of perceived safety and that may or may not be where we need to go. If we're not actually getting ready to get hit by a bus, maybe we don't need to react and have that same chain reaction in our brain. So if we could just take a moment and use that jolt of energy, use that fear as the key to actually, as a bridge to unlock the gate and as a bridge to maybe some other emotions, some other experiences that that fear is actually trying to get us down into, we could come out, come out the other side in a more profound way and have a new understanding of some aspect of ourselves. Oh my gosh, I love that. And I'm... I always tell my clients and people people that I'm working with that I'm I'm not a believer in the like the let go philosophy. I don't think that we let go of any emotion. That's rare anyway. I do think we transform them. Yes. They're all energy. And Metatron's great yes. for helping us do that. Great. And yeah. We know that know emotions that. love themselves. So if we fear if <laughs> we feel fear and we get used to that, then we feel it more, and then we feel it more, and then we feel it more. And if we're feeling joy, and we get used to that, then it replicates, and we feel it more, and more, and more, and more. So this, like, yes. yeah, so Metatron's really good for that. I, I didn't know that was actually something he was good with, but boy, he just sat down and laid it all out for me. That totally really- brings up some, like, so for me, it's the transcending of the fear, too. So sometimes it shows up. Where is it at in the body? So yeah. there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's a great process that I love to do mm-hmm. with people around that. And how can we use it yep. rather than suppress it or do this let go? I'm, I agree with Katie. We don't let go of things. We might wake up one day and realize it slid off. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's and, that... Well, yeah. And like life hack, whenever, whenever anyone tells me to just let that go, that just makes me mm, hold on to it much tighter, right? That's yes. <laughs> an unhelpful instruction. Yes. <laughs> Receive the messages. Yes. From it. Receive it. 
<laughs> someone inviting me to transform my whatever it may be that I can uh, often get behind and start to work on. But. And to use it. Yes. Take that energy because emotions are energy, right? Emotions yes. are energy to get us into motion. So it's oh, like, yes. How can I use that fear and grab onto it and use it? So I have a question about your experience in the coffee shop. Uh-huh. So was it an actual person that sat down and was the like voice for Metatron or was it an angelic figure that only you could see? It, well, to make that clear, it was in my clairvoyance. So it was okay. in my head. Um, but to me, it was so clear. Um, I wasn't seeing a physical presence next to me. He actually sat on my right. So for those of you who are watching this on video, I'm pointing over to my right. It wasn't like a physical, but I could sense as if a physical presence came in and the presence was larger than, and literally pulled out the chair, sat down, put his elbows on the table and started talking. How long did this last? You know, not long because these, these experiences don't, they're very, spirit communication is so, uh, is so efficient, you know? So he actually went on longer than most, but I would, I don't know, you kind of lose track of time. 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I actually mm-hmm. think I, t- I recorded verbally everything for Amy and that recording was about 10 minutes long. Okay. Later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yes. Awesome. M- the name Metatron is so modern to me. Mm-hmm. Is, and Katie, I guess you could probably address this when we get to the biblical part. Doesn't that sound like a very modern name to you? It sounds like an 80s video game. But it does. It's and like, I'm wearing oh, my just... 80s shirt today. Yeah. <laughs> Those of you it, can see, I have this like rainbow. It's very <laughs> like, kind of futuristic, modern name. He's yes. definitely about, there's a lot connected as far as that goes too. It's being modern? Wiz, yeah, wisdom. Sometimes, okay, sometimes he'll show up. You spoke earlier about how they show up in different ways. So some people experience Metatron more of like kind of scary, you know, hooves and stuff. But oh. he's not. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the modern aspect in that is the closest thing that we have into this experience, this realm for that to come through. So it shows up scary, but that's not at all what, what he is about. That's that pesky fear coming in again. Yeah. Maybe that's why he wanted to talk about right. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And if, I also, I, I speak with so many people and I had a little bit of this experience myself too as a child when we're not prepared at all for the messages, they can feel feel really overwhelming. And when we don't have any kind of filters or protection in place, I, it is scary. And I think a lot of people misinterpret yes. a beautiful, I mean, what is a beautiful angelic experience. And when all we have to filter that is fear or misunderstanding, then we, we some, I think people misinterpret that as being like, demonic or negative energy or something like that when often it's really a a beautiful message that's waiting to come through right all sad so yeah metatron's here to be helpful not the it may be it may be overwhelming and energetic but not scary not to be scary so i would love to share a little bit about my story and how i connected with metatron in a particular time in life and then let's go into the bible stuff so how does that feel Hmm. yeah so about year was this? It was, I have to do the math backwards. I think it was in 2015. So five summers ago, I was really sick for a summer and I had, I didn't 
I didn't know what was wrong until like two or three weeks into it, but I had a sinus infection and it wasn't just a sinus infection. It was a sinus infection and the sinuses that are in your like forehead. I didn't even know we had sinuses there until they were highly infected, but it turned into a second bacteria, a secondary bacterial infection. And I was so sick that I would be, I couldn't, I didn't eat for like a month. <laughs> like oh. I had like shakes, like that was it. And I would be on my couch and I would fall asleep, not intending to, and wake up like four hours later. Like I, I could barely make it up and down my stairs. And it, yeah, less than four or five weeks. And so at the time I was doing some work with an angel intuitive. So you taught me a Metatron meditation. So I remember going upstairs and my life, I was so dizzy. I was dizzy and throwing up and could barely like make it up and down the stairs. So I made it up the stairs and like collapsed into my bed uh, one of these days during this illness. And Metatron has these cubes, and that's not something we've talked about, but Amy just brought it up with her sacred geometry. So there's these cubes that are associated with Metatron. Um, everyone can go Google that, and you'll see lots of different pictures of these cubes. The visualization I had was of the cubes rotating count, um, in different directions right above each other, and you like put one above you and one below you and ask for the Metatron healing energy to come into you and using these cubes to help, um, help you visualize it. Yeah. So I'm doing that. I'm like, I'm so sick of being sick. I couldn't do anything. I went to work one day and they sent me home. Mm. I went to the church where I was pastoring and they were like, they, they saw me after five minutes. They were like, go home. <laughs> you can't, you can't be here. You're too sick. No. So I'm doing this a meditation and, uh, I did it for about five minutes and I heard this really clear voice, like probably one of like two or three times where I've had a real clear audience experience say, okay, stop. Like that's been enough. And then I thought, well, no, I'm in the middle of this. Med I got myself here. I'm doing this meditation. I'm just going to keep going. That's probably my ego. And like one minute later, I was sick as a dog. I started like throwing up again. I got really dizzy. I mean, I had this five minutes where I didn't feel like that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to stop. And this voice was like, I told you to stop like a minute ago. Why didn't you stop? <laughs> Why didn't you stop then? So I knew Metatron was like, I'm giving you just what you need. You don't need more. <laughs> Why are you keeping going with this? So I laughed a little bit, went to sleep. You know, within two or three weeks, I was uh, better from this illness. But it was this little booty kicking. Um, you know, yeah, this is really powerful energy. You don't have to do this for 24 hours at a time. Like five minutes is plenty. Uh, for you in your human incarnated state. You don't need constant re reception of this. So that's my personal Metatron experience. I'm kind of curious if you guys have any questions or what, what you feel about that energy. I will tell you that healing energy is so profound that when I started harnessing it um, and doing hands-on healing with people, I got sick. Like it would knock me out. Like I would just, and I've understood then, oh, that's the power Right. of this there's a lot coming through and you're right katie you don't need hours and out you just need a, a jolt that's and that's enough for our human bodies to to take um i forgot to mention too it's so interesting you brought up the cubes and then amy brought up her sacred geometry because his personality metatron's personality to me felt very geometric not that his personality felt geometric, but he just <laughs> felt like that logical math and science. I can show you how this all fits together. The nuts and bolts and everything fit together well. Because that just is how he mm -hmm. seemed to me. So, and I didn't know that about him cool. until later. So that's very cool. That kind of, so this kind of goes into the part of what Katie was just speaking about. So the other message that came through was that, 
by connecting with our true self, our guidance, our system. So the wasp energy was more of like the distractions outside of us. And I feel like even you spoke about this in the message that you had shared with me is, you know, the, the chatter of the outside world yes. by connecting, quieting the mind, quieting ourselves, going inward, not looking outside of us, but really paying attention to that intuition. So Katie, you spoke of like, you had that guidance not to do it and, and I you didn't listen <laughs> and then, you know, things happen. So it's, it is a lesson in listening and honoring that guidance that comes through. That's right, Amy, that one of the uh, pieces of the big, I had a much larger channeled message than what I just shared with you all, but one of it was about listening to that voice that's clear and calm through the din. It's not the voice that's the loudest, right? That's shouting over the crowd. It's the voice that's just clear through the din. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's, I am going to tell people a little bit about the history of Metatron in just a moment. Right before I do that, we thought that you would like to know about another kind of channel, and that's just another channel to connect with us, and that's our Facebook page. So we have the email that Amy told you about earlier, but we also have this Facebook page, and so you can come and share about your experiences with Metatron on the Facebook page and just see other goodies that we might have for you. And so if you just go into Facebook and type in the search bar, Magical Mystical Journeys, ours is the very first one that will come up. We'll make sure it's in the show notes too. So come over, like the page, just one more way that you can connect with us there. So let's talk a little bit about Metatron and um, the kind of historical piece of this that I, I love to um, find out and share with everyone. So just like Sandalphon, like we talked about earlier, Metatron is also the other archangel who we can trace back to some associations with a human being. And in the episode last week, we talked about, we asked the question, does it matter if Sandalphon was really Elijah or not? And we talked about how we kind of perceive all of that. So we can apply all of that to this week as well. But just like Elijah, the human being who we say turned into Metatron, also did not die a normal human death. This is what characterizes and distinguishes these two humans from the Bible. So we have Elijah with Sandalphon, and the figure we associate with Metatron is Enoch. That is E-N-O-C-H, Enoch. We find out just a little bit about Enoch in the book of Genesis, chapter 5 in the Old Testament. It's so short, I'm just going to read it for you. <laughs> it's like teensy. I mean, it's not like five chapters long like uh, Elijah's story is. It's really, really short, just a few verses long. This is a chapter that's a genealogy, and the genealogy starts with Adam, and it goes all the way until Noah. So this genealogy is kind of bracketing uh, those two stories, or those, those generations. All right, so we start with verse 18. When Jared had lived for 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. Jared, uh, Jared lived after the birth of Enoch another 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. The days of Jared were 962 years, and then he died. When Enoch had lived for 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. You know, when we say old is Methuselah, that Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after the birth of Methuselah for 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, then he was no more because God took him. 
So again, we have this kind of illusion that Enoch doesn't die. He's taken to be with God, kind of like Elijah is much, 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 much later in the story. So we also have this really symbolic number of 365 years, um, that he's 365 years when he is taken. I do not take this literally. I don't think that this is a literal story. The ancient people knew very much about symbolism and that there were 365 days in a year. Uh, they could do that. They could do that math and they kept calendars in different ways, but that's something they knew. And so that's associated with this figure of Enoch. Enoch is not mentioned in the rest of the Old Testament. Like this is it. He's an ancestor of Noah and then an ancestor of all the people that Noah is an ancestor of. But in the period that we call Second Temple Judaism, so that's your 25 cent term for the day, in the period of Second Temple Judaism, which is a few hundred years before Jesus and lasts until the year 70, when literally the second temple that the Jews had built was destroyed by the Romans, Enoch starts to get mentioned in Jewish literature in this time. So all the things that are happening for Jews in this time, they're looking to their ancestors for some answers. They're looking to their ancestral heritage and kind of bringing that very much in the forefront of their minds. So here is something that is written in what we call intertestamental literature. So loosely some Jewish literature that's written between the end of the Old Testament, and the beginning of what we call the New Testament. Uh, this is in Catholic Bibles, but not in Protestant ones, too, just uh, FYI. So this is from the book of Ben Sira or Ecclesiasticus, depending on uh, what kind of Bible you've got or uh, what, what kind of Christian you are or Jew you are. And so this is from chapter 44, verse 16. Enoch pleased the Lord and was taken up, an example of repentance to all generations. This is very interesting. So this author associates Enoch with repentance. The word repentance never comes up in Genesis. So somehow Enoch is seen as an example of someone who repented and maybe therefore is rewarded by not having to die a physical death. Like they're not very clear. So there's obviously a tradition here that we don't see written out because whoever the writer is of this book already knew the tradition and assumed that people he was writing to already knew it as well. Mm. So the New Testament also mentions Enoch kind of similarly as well. Um, Enoch is mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus and the gospel of Luke. Uh, the one I want to share with you, though, is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he did not experience death. And he was not found because God had taken him. They quote the Old Testament. It was attested before he was taken away that he had pleased God. So the author of the book of the epistle to the Hebrews is looking to Enoch, not as an example of repentance, but as an example of faith and of someone who pleased God. And then he doesn't really tell us more about how he thinks Enoch did that. So we see this interest in Enoch in the development of um, this kind of period of Judaism and early Christianity. So there's a little more, how do we get from Enoch to Metatron? I'm gonna to get to that in just a second. First, let me just ask um, any questions <laughs> from Andrea and Amy before I, I just keep on going because I'm a little bit of a monologue here. There's one thing coming up in my awareness right now is I feel like he was, uh, so Metatron in connection with me is also connected to the Kabbalah in some way. So I don't know if any of that came into your research. Oh yeah, we're getting there. Okay, see. Yep, yep, all right. So we see this, there's a lot of interpretive mix that's going on, right? So 
Enoch makes such a good figure for these early Christians and Jews to look back to because he is mysterious. He's only talked about for like five verses in all of in all of Genesis and the whole Hebrew Bible. And so it's really great to take a mysterious figure like this and be like, that's the one we need. <laughs> this is the one, you know, because he doesn't even die. Awesome. Let's do something really cool with him. And that's exactly what happens. And we see that a little bit with the quotes I, I just gave you. But the big kahuna, the big kahuna here really comes with the writing of the books of Enoch. So we have first Enoch, second Enoch, third Enoch, four total, and they're all attributed to Enoch, but they were not written by Enoch. Like we know that Enoch did not write these in primordial times, right? I mean, Enoch is like one of the first people uh, kind of on the earth, but Jews were doing this a lot in this time period. So, for instance, we have a testament attributed to Abraham that Abraham didn't write. Um, we have apocalypses attributed to all of these early figures within Judaism, uh, usually the 12 sons of Jacob, who were the 12 tribes of Israel. And so we have a lot of books that say they're written by these ancestral figures, but they're not. They're written by people who are much later. Why did they attribute them to their early ancestors? Well, they were in periods of turbulence. It gives these writings a lot of authority. So if you're like, yeah, I did, you know, whoever I am, who no one knows me didn't write this, Abraham did, or Enoch did, or someone really cool from our past did, it gives them some gravitas, some authority. I, there's volumes full, filled with these writings. So Enoch is one among many, but it's in the book that are, the books that are attributed to Enoch that we get so much about angels. Mm. So the story that so many of you know about the angels falling from heaven to earth, like the rebellion of the angels and the war with one the angels against another, you're not going to find that in the Bible. Nowhere. It's not in the Bible. It is in the book of First Enoch. And this is the story that captured the imagination of people like Milton when he wrote Paradise Lost. Right? He's retelling a version of the story, but he's not getting it from the Bible. He's getting it from these other writings that continue to be very popular and continue to be read by, uh, by, the, by the popular kind of people um, throughout many, many, um, throughout like 1,500 years, 1,600 years, actually. And so it's, this is where we find the story of the angels in Enoch. And it's a massive book. Um, there's a complex angelology that we really see developed for about the first time that you don't find in scripture. You don't find it in scripture. You find it in these in-between books. But by the time something like the New Testament is written, the New Testament assumes that you already know all this stuff. Because the New Testament didn't know that it wasn't going to be in the Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> so like the new, like, or, or another way to say this is the same influences that uh, the writers of the New Testament have that inform them about angels are the same influences that the writer of first Enoch had about angels. Yeah. So they're all coming from the same kind of cultural meal soup, so to speak. Okay. And so what happens next, this really takes off with the early rabbis. They receive this entire tradition. So just like with Sandalphon, we talked about the Merkaba, we talked about the Talmud, we talked about the Kabbalah, and you're not going to find these in any one volume. They're sprinkled out and they're spread out throughout all of these different writings. And they take this figure of Enoch and transform Enoch into Metatron, because just like Elijah, he's one mm. of the people in their tradition who doesn't die a natural death. He's taken to be with God. And so Andrea was asking earlier about the name Metatron. 
So we find the, uh, we, you find an actual description of the transformation of Enoch into Metatron in the book of Third Enoch. This book is written very late. It's probably written in the 5th or 6th century AD. And so it's, it's quite late. So around the same time that all of these other Jewish writings like the Merkaba and the Talmud and, you know, are, and the, the beginnings of the Kabbalah are being developed. And we do find a description there that says like Enoch, Enoch became Metatron. I mean, it pretty much says it straight out. And then that's assumed in all of these other books. And so the name Metatron is a little bit mysterious, actually. Um, there's a lot of a lot of guesses about what, uh, where the name come from, but it most likely, I, I think this makes the most sense just looking at it in Greek, comes from the word meta and thronos. And so in that case, okay. it means um, uh, like after the throne or the one who serves behind the throne hmm. of God. So Metatron is very closely associated with God as being a companion of God. Wow. So that's most likely where the name came from, came, comes from, but I love it that it turns into this cool, like 70s, 80s Metatron kind of sound. <laughs> so this so is very... the development of Enoch into Metatron. So let me pause. That was a whole lot of information. I feel like I've gone on for a really long time about it, but yeah, questions, comments, feelings, anything. What's, what's our thoughts about this? I love it. This is so cool. Thank you. So like, yeah. <laughs> I'm fascinated. I think it's absolutely fascinating. I'm, I have a question that this just raised, but you might not know the answer to. But in these uh, traditions, were there other beings who also did not die a physical death and were taken to God? Or, and only Elijah and Enoch became angels? As far, as far as I've not read anything different, it's only Elijah and Enoch who become angels, but there's a lot of other names of angels mentioned in first Enoch, like the list goes on and on and on and on and on. So it's not really until this time period that angels start to have personal names. Okay. All other angels, like in the Old Testament, it's just an angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord. They're not uniquely characterized until this time period. Here's a question for you. So... In connection with Sandalphon and Metatron, they were also known as the cherubs of the Ark of the Covenant, I think. Oh, okay. So I don't know if I don't know a whole lot about that. I just wondered if maybe you have some biblical knowledge or anything that might be coming up for you. What that is? What I, that yeah, I is. have not. Okay, so Ark of the Covenant. So let's all think back to our Indiana Jones days, right? So we all know what that looks like, um, <laughs> the, the recreation of the Ark of the Covenant. So the Ark of the Covenant is the um, is literally like the traveling house of God before God gets a temple. And so it's like it's built while, I mean, in the story, it's built while Moses, and so our friend Moses appears again, uh, while Moses and the Israelites are in the wilderness, and they're traveling for the 40 years. And because they are traveling and don't have a home yet, they're not yet in the promised land, they have the Ark of the Covenant that houses, I think it houses like the Ten Commandments and the staff of Aaron and uh, some, some other things that I forget now. And so there are angels, like you see, you know, in the Indiana Jones, the angel's wings kind of come over and touch across the top of the ark. Um, and those are cherubim. And we can do a whole, it would be fun to do a whole thing later on about cherubim, because uh, they are not the cute little Raphaelite angels um, that are so often depicted. They're big, fiery, um, big presences. But I, I have not seen that Metatron and Sandalphon were themselves cherubim. So that's new to me. So I don't know. We'll have to do a little exploration. So okay. to, be, to be announced. 
Right. I'm, TB. I'm wondering if that's where Metatron, like some of those physical depictions of him, if there is some, some connection there with Metatron and the cherubim, if that's maybe some of his depictions that appear scary oh, or fiery be. or something. I don't know. Because Amy, didn't you mention too that, that you felt that Metatron was connected with the fire element? Fire. Yeah. So I don't, maybe it was just transformation. Yeah. I, yeah, I definitely have spoken to the fire aspect of it. We do an orb of lightning as well. So to me that it's the electrical aspect. It does feel that there's more to it than just that too. And it goes into speaking a little bit. I feel like um, eyes of fire, like it describes the transformation that took place. And I feel mm. that fire was a big part of that too. Fascinating. Yeah. Uh, let me, I can, I can find the, I think I can find very quickly while you guys are talking a little bit more about your experiences, the exact verse that describes the transformation. Oh, here it is. Here it is. I've got it. This is from third Enoch. This, I think this is correct. This is from Wikipedia because I could find my third Enoch, but that will take us a little bit of time. But <laughs> I think this is correct. Uh, this Enoch whose flesh was turned into flame, his veins to fire, his eyelashes to flashes of lightning, his eyeballs to flaming torches, uh, whom God placed on a throne next to the throne of glory, received, his tr- received after this heavenly transformation the name Metatron. <laughs> I will tell you that is not the dude who walked in the coffee shop. <laughs> I think he, he's learned to like show up in his more human form so as not to attract so much attention when he walks into a coffee shop. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, the uh, I, that the extract from Third Enoch you can find. I think that translation is by Gershom Sholom. So I just want to give him credit uh, while we're here. So yes, but I love all these different <laughs> experiences of Metatron. But yeah, but Amy has the association with like lightning and fire. I have I the association that. with this like booty kicking. You have the association <laughs> with like the powerful coffee present, you know, caffeinated yeah. presence of Metatron. Talking through, let's talk through everything. I'm going to teach you how everything works. Um, very smart. Um, that sounds so oh, pathetic for me to call an angel smart, but he just came across <laughs> like that, you know, wise. like just wise, brilliant, like intellectually brilliant. I guess that's what I want to say. He mm. felt very intellectual to me, like very intellectually brilliant being. Um, well, part of what I love about that is I really come to this work through my intellect, right? Like, I, I mean, I started in academia and as you can all tell, you know, I get going on my professorial kind of lectures here. Uh, so I try to, I try to rein this part of me in a little bit, but like, so Metatron is really, it seems really open to people coming at this through their logic side. Like that's actually okay. Yes. You know, uh, and then people come at it more through their intuitive side. Um, yes. you, you can still experience Metatron, but Metatron might not be your guide for that. Right. And you know, actually, it was interesting to me, I'm wondering if he came at me the way he did to make a very, make a distinction between Sandalphon, because they're very distinct to me now in terms of what I feel. And, and that to just be me, though. So I can recognize when one has a message and a, versus the other. Mm-hmm. I love that. Can what about I, you, Amy? Do oh, you experience a differentiation between those, these two figures, these, these twins, these brothers? The, no. So I will share that Sandalphon for me was an opening for me. I also am a practitioner of sound therapy. So that's very much connected to my lifestyle. 
Metatron, I was guided a couple years back to apply sacred geometry to the gardens and I didn't know how. So it's almost like if you have two children that are extreme opposites, like that's it. Mm-hmm. Andrea, I feel like you're about to say something. Do you recall what you were going to say? I, I do. It was going, it was talking about how we can each experience these beings in different ways. And I just sort of wanted to loop back around to what I think Katie, you said it, but also Amy, you picked up on it of the angels show themselves. Like they're actually known for showing themselves as with different changing bodies. Yeah, I mean, so so some people, Gabriel, I think, is a great example. For some people, Gabriel appears female, for some male. And that name is applied to male and female children as well. And so, you know, angels are very mutable. And we see in some in scripture, some in other stories that angels, you know, for instance, when uh, this description of uh, Enoch transforming into Metatron in this very late text of third Enoch, things happen. Like his body does not stay the same. His body changes. And we know our bodies change too. None of us look the same as that we did 20 years ago, 40 years ago. I think we're all of that, <laughs> <laughs> of that decade. So, But you know, when we're born, you, you couldn't tell from a picture of looking at me when I'm a newborn what I would look like now. Mm. Our bodies constantly change. They constantly morph. You know, our cells change every seven years. Um, and for, you know, for, for trans people, Many trans people choose to physically change their bodies. And to me, they're becoming, it's such a sacred thing to do, to engage in this bodily transformation because we're becoming closer to who we are in our interior self. And, you know, so I feel like angels could do the same thing. I love that. And yeah, why can't, they can change too. Like we all have different experiences of Metatron. Cool. Well, yeah. So what do you, what, what should we, what would be fair warning for people as they begin to explore the energy of Metatron? You, you've all heard from me when Metatron says, stop, just stop. Trust that. <laughs> Trust it. <laughs> Honor guidance. Yeah. 100%. Like to me, I had no idea that Sienophon or Metatron was going to show up in the ways they have. So it's just like when it happens, it happens and just see what there is for you just to be open, not to be afraid of it, not, you know, just to be like, okay, this is here for me. Why is it here for me? So yeah, explore it. Absolutely. I love that, Amy. It is for you. So receive it. And I think a lot of us actually might get kind of overly humble. Like, well, why me? Why would an angel show up for me? Mm. You know, it's like, well, why not? Yeah. And God is so abundant. I'm, I'm using language of God. You all use whatever language works for you. Source, universe, whatever is so abundant that is happy for you to receive um, mm. angelic abundance in as many ways as possible. And so, yeah, trust that. We can all trust that, that when we're receiving a message, it's genuine. There's enough, there's enough abundance of angels for you to receive your own messages. I'm also reminded, because I know some people might be afraid too. So for me, like when the stuff it started happening in numbers, I'd get one, 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 two, 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 three, three, three. You know, when that was my first kind of wake up in a sense that there was more to life than what I was taught. And I was like, this is kind of freaky and kind of exciting at, at the same time. So that energy. And so I was brought up in a Christian family. And one thing that I do for myself, okay, if it's for the highest good, only that which is for my highest good. And so if I am in that state of, okay, surround me with God's love and light, that's all there is. That's all that is in my space. So just reminding people that they can do that too. Yes. And setting that intention before they go into a meditation or anything like that. But also going back to like the first message from Metatron is if fear arises, Mm. 
come, it's natural. It might be coming for a re just like use it, use it as your, as your key to go a little bit deeper with yourself. We keep on talking about fear. And I have to say, I have just reread Dune by Frank Herbert. Have you all, you, I can, you haven't read it. Okay. That's a, my, my, my favorite novel, but it takes place in the far distant future. And there's a, a, like a kind of a prayer or a mantra that gets said that fear is the mind killer. Oh, fear is the mind killer. And there's a whole mantra for people to deal with their fear. And it's amazing how many times, so we're, we're, we're not pandemic focused here, but it is present, like we're all shelter in place right at this moment in time. And so the, the fear is the mind killer keeps on coming up whenever I see the panic about the, about the virus. So um, for all of our sci-fi nerds out there, I'll just give a shout out to Dune right now. And the new movie's coming out at the end of the year. I'm jazzed. And that was the first thing that Metatron said to me. Here's that, well, not the first, but in that message right? This is what happens in your brain. Mm. Fear chart starts a chain reaction in your brain and it makes the brain shrink and go small, literally a mind killer, but yeah. you don't have to let it do that. Right. You could just sit there and not, not let it do that and use it in a different way. I love the synchronicity. It's just, I know. I do. <laughs> One of the things we've talked about a lot is the earthiness of Metatron and of Sandalphon as these two incarnated beings. And we talked a lot, uh, especially with Sandalphon, around does it matter? So I'm kind of mm -hmm. curious, um, what is, what's, what's everyone's thoughts about right now about does it matter if Metatron was Enoch? Uh, or are we kind of capturing some other kind of energy? What is, what is the incarnation part? Um, how is that playing into everyone's thoughts right now? For me, it's about the messages. And one of the things that has come up with us just speaking is remembering that there's a soul within this body. Like not all of us can fit into this thing. So it's almost like these messages that come through in different ways. It is other aspects coming through to help us for here and now, this embodiment of who we are as individuals. I love it. So it's about the message. I love that. One thing that came to me too earlier was that humans love story. Yeah. And story gets us up in our imaginations and it gives us like a beginning, a middle and an end, which helps us kind of get our heads wrapped around stuff. So if, if the point is actually to get up in your imagination, so your energy is rising and you can start to imagine the existence of these other beings mm. and start imagining contact and what the messages are, that's fantastic. That's the point. I agree with Amy. That's the point. It doesn't matter that the story is true or false. What matters is what the end result is. I love that. And that all these, you know, we, we saw throughout the trajectory of, of many centuries, many millennia, even that people were taking one story and spinning it into another story and spinning it into another story. So humans are so creative. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I, I think it's time for our meditation. I do too. Yay. Oh, I love it. Yay. So um, Andrea and I get the beautiful experience of experiencing the meditation that Amy is going to uh, guide us on. So for listeners, make sure if you're doing this meditation that you're in a nice safe space, that you're not driving, that you're not operating children or heavy machinery or anything right now. Um, you can always push pause or, or just listen and come back and actively do the meditation when you're in a nice safe space. And we keep these, you know, about seven minutes or so. Is that about right, Amy? Yeah. It yeah, be. yeah. So it's not, you don't have to, you don't have to carve out two hours or anything. It's yeah. a pretty short, quick, intense, efficient, efficient messages from spirit. So shall we begin? 
So the first piece is to just connect to intention. So the intention for this is to allow for Metatron to bring in a message or maybe there's something specific that you would like to work with Metatron on. So connect to your breath. Just be present to here and now. Notice what you're noticing in your body. The fall, the rise of the breath. Your heart space. Notice what you're noticing with all of your senses. Maybe what you're seeing with your eyes closed. What you're smelling. What you're tasting. What you're hearing. And the felt presence. Just be with Metatron. A state of being, non-judgmental, just to notice. And if you'd like, you may say the name Metatron a couple times out loud or just think it. and then let go of it. And again, just notice what you're noticing. You can connect with Metatron anytime with intention and practices like this. Maybe there's guidance that you would like for the part that you play in the world. Maybe the part that you play in community or guidance with someone in community, a loved one. And what about you personally? Is there a message that Metatron might have for you? that Metatron wants you to know in this moment. We give gratitude for Metatron, giving thanks before we connect, and giving thanks for anything that was experienced and received. You know that any point of time, you can do this. Maybe it's first thing in the morning, mid-afternoon, before you go to bed. Invite Metatron to work with you in your dream time to bring you messages that way. Even daydreaming. To begin, just to reconnect to your breath.
your body, feeling what your body feels in your heartbeat. When you're ready, you may open your eyes. Welcome back. Either of you would like to share anything, I would love to hear. Thank you so much, Amy. That's great. That was great. I didn't have an intent for a message, actually. I just wanted to feel the energy. And what became very clear was that it was, again, coming in on my right side. And I could feel like this, like right, you know, my tingling, uh, my scalp started tingling just on the right side of my head. And I almost felt like fingers were, were doing like people can't if they're not watching they can't see my fingers are like walking we're on youtube almost, too by the way for everyone yeah <laughs> i almost felt like you know when your hairdresser is giving your scalp massage and you're like oh i feel so much better than when i do it myself that's what it felt like so i'm wondering if that's going to be my his calling card with mm. me that if i feel that specifically on the right side of my skull that's that energy coming in, which is great. And also it just like, just dawned on me, Andrea, he sat down on your right side in the coffee shop and like, that's the masculine side. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yes. So that's just, you know, for you, especially it might be yes. confirming. Something. Well, it's interesting. We'll talk about this later, but mother Mary also comes in on my right. So oh, interesting. One comes in like right through the back of my head. <laughs> I don't think we talked about that last week, but cool. I, they come in different spaces. So I know who's walking in my awareness. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> um, thank you, Amy, for the meditation. That was, re- it was really good. And I, I kind of felt that motion of the cubes again, but in a much gentler way. <laughs> but the, um, I think part of like, it just immediately, like as soon as you said, set an intention while shelter in place, I've been very inattentive to my, um, what I've been eating. <laughs> Because we're just like, it feels like a free for all constant buffet around here. And so last night, I just said, I was like, I'm gonna like cut back on the candy and stuff again. <laughs> again. And so I, I definitely felt that like, yeah, that's a great intention and great to help me- ask Metatron to help. Not for the sake, um, it's not about going on a strict diet. But I know when I um, reduce carbs, my intuition has an opportunity to skyrocket. Mm. And, uh, but you know, it's been like after Easter and like Cadbury's eggs have been all around the house. So I've been helping myself. So ah! <laughs> nothing wrong with that indulgence, but it's kind of time to rein it back in. Katie, you just mentioned something that's so obvious, but people might not think to do it. Mm-hmm. You asked for help. They thought yeah. about asking oh, yeah. for help with keeping your physical body healthy. Yeah. Like that's, we can ask for help for anything. Right? it's hard to ask for help too. So uh, not need- particularly hard for me these days, but <laughs> it has been in the past. Right. And so it doesn't come into our awareness right. that we're allowed to yeah. ask for help, you know? Yes, absolutely. The presence, the experience of presence was a big part of that. So I love Andrea, how you shared that you fill these beings in different ways. And so that I feel like that's a big message. So they're going to show up in different ways and different guidance for each of us. So just to be present, like here and now, there's a lot of times we live in the past or the future and it's like pulling, being here. Very strong message that came through with this. Cool. Even while you were giving the meditation. 
as as I was receiving the meditation to share. Okay, cool. Yeah. Was it uh, uh, all? Was that all in real time, Amy? Uh, no. So some of it came through yesterday, actually, because okay. I was like, what are we going to do for this one? Yeah. What's funny is like, <laughs> they show us, like, we yeah, don't exactly know the full experience of it. And I was like, cool. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Sweet. I know how to do this. Cause as a shamanic practitioner, that's one of the things that I love working with people is sometimes there is a felt experience in the body. So like giving it life helps us to receive the messages. Whereas in this case, it is like just being present. So we have all of our senses and that's one way to fully be present with whether your eyes are open or when you shut them to notice the differences. Nice. Oh, I love that. Great. Well, I think we're uh, Metatron is never done with us, but I think we're almost wrapped up with uh, Metatron this episode. Any final, final things to share before we conclude? Just much appreciation for them, for our listeners, you two coming, like the three of us, like listening and doing this. Just so much gratitude for, for all the excitement, all the newness coming from it. So thank you. I feel the same way. Thank you all so much. Everybody whose energy is a part of this and everybody, all the listeners whose energies are going to be a part of this. It's just, I just feel this is like sacred space for us. You know, this is so much fun for us um, to do this. And I'm so glad that we've, that we're doing it. Thank you, ladies. (laughs) Yes, me too. Me too. I, um, yeah, very grateful to be here. Very grateful for this Metatron, all these varieties of Metatron experiences that we've had. And yeah, grateful for listeners. And we're, we're so eager to hear about your Metatron experiences too. As a final send off, um, we would love, 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 love it. If you listener could immediately, when you're done listening to this episode, uh, go to wherever you're listening to this and give us a rating. It really, really helps the word get out there. As, as Amy said earlier, this is really about the messages. And that was really clear to all of us from the beginning. We believe that they are, these are messages. We may be imperfect messengers, but we believe that the messages are um, heaven sent. And so we want those to get out there. So if you can rate us and leave a written review, it, it really, it's going to take you like 45 seconds to do this. And we will see you next time. Mm, please and thank you. And thank you again for joining us. Bye-bye. Bye everyone. <laughs>